You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about spiritualism, we talk about art, we talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. We do sometimes talk about sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and whatnot. Yeah, we go there. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Ah, hello everybody Welcome to another exciting edition of Self-Worst I'm Brad Pearson, the host And uh, we're coming to you from a new apartment How about that? We have not moved in yet. Uh, I'm just checking out some dimensions. I brought over a tape measure and a notebook, uh, making some measurements of the apartment, how our stuff's going to all fit in here. Because it is a little bit smaller than our old place. And we're kind of freaking out about it, not going to lie. Nothing we can do about it now. We signed the lease. It's happening. We're, we're out by Sunday. It's happening. But, you know... We're a little nervous. I, I, I decided to record over at the new apartment. So I'm coming to you live, not live, live right now from the new place. And I'm recording in what I think is going to be my new recording room, which uh, I had some apprehension about because our new apartment, not to dox us, is pretty close to the BQE. Um, it's... The first thing you see when you go out the door is like a highway exit and like a gas station. And it's just ugly as fuck. And there's, you can hear the din of traffic. It's like a cheap motel off the highway. So it's not the most ideal location, but it's still Red Hook and it's still our favorite neighborhood. We have, which is like the worst block in the best neighborhood. It's how it goes. It's a compromise. Sometimes you got to compromise those things. Um, You know, is what it is. We're in the butt crack of the best butt in the neighborhood, in the, in the city. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not the best. It's not the worst. I, you know, I, so far as moving and stuff, I fucking hate moving. Everybody hates moving. And this wasn't like a super necessary move. I mean, they were jacking up our rent, so it's like we might as well move to this new place that's got a yard and shit, laundry, it's still in the hood. Can you hear that truck? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I brought this in to see how bad the traffic noise was without any soundproofing. And so far in the monitor, it doesn't sound too bad. I think I can live with this. So that's reassuring. There's some truck noise. What was I saying? 
We have some doubts. I don't know. It, I, you know what? I'm going to be real with you. Because that's what I do. That's what we do on this show. We express our doubts. We express our apprehensions about big life changes. It's not always like, hell yeah, I'm doing this. This is great. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know. Do we make the right choice? I guess we're going through with it. That's a lot of what life is, dog. It sucks. You step into new things, new careers and shit. Move into new cities, new apartments, as it were. And you're like, I guess. And then, you know, before you know it, things are great. And you've made a home and you've, you've established an equilibrium. It's just that we're such creatures of habit. Caitlin and I, and we have such a cozy little home. And to uproot it is just, it's a, it's a big emotional toll for us. So that's what we're dealing with this week. Just a lot of feelings coming up. Like I said, you know, on a previous episode, we've, we've been through a lot in that little apartment. It was our first apartment together as a couple. We've lived there for a few years now. We went through the quarantine there. I almost say we said we went through the pandemic, but we're still in the fucking pandemic, you know what I mean? But we went through the bulk of the quarantine, you know, like the actual distancing, shutdown, lockdown stuff. That ain't fucking happening again. Let's be real. You think they're going to shut down the economy again when they barely did it the first time? Side note, they're not gonna. They're just going to continue to let people die. That's... That's been the thing, dog. That's been the play. Oh, we're all shocked by that. Anyway, this new place. You know, we got some options, layout-wise. The layout's a little wonky, because we got this one front room that's right butted up against the fucking highway. It's nasty. But I'm, I'm in that room right now, and honestly, it doesn't sound so bad in the canyons think it'll be okay we might make this the bedroom and then have the back room be the multi-purpose room where I would be recording which is a little counterintuitive because that's supposed to be the bedroom back there but you can't a queen bed is sort of awkward in there you gotta once you go to a queen bed you can't go back to a full size you're two people you're two grown-ass people in your 30s sleeping on a full bed how are you gonna do that when you've been sleeping in a queen bed. I'm glad we didn't go up to a king because then we'd really be fucked. Even like a queen would be a downgrade. I don't know. We're figuring it out. I'm going to... This this episode might come out a little late because, you know, I'm dealing with moving, okay? I don't have a whole production team helping me out. I'm doing this shit myself. You understand, right? This is a lo-fi production. So we might be off by a day or so. But this episode's coming. Don't worry. We're going to get it out to you. I got a guest for next week. Don't worry. It's gonna. We're going to stay on a regular schedule. Unless I have like a complete fucking meltdown from moving. Which is a distinct possibility. I don't know. It's noisy. It's ugly, but it's a cute apartment once you get inside. It's nice. It's got a little backyard, a little fucking oasis back there. It's going to be so great. So I'm trying to focus on the positive. 
we're gonna see. Yeah, do you hear that truck? Do you hear the trucks? I feel like these microphones, they really only pick up right in front of them. So maybe what's happening behind me doesn't matter. I'm like right up against the window to like make it like as, as loud as possible. Because we're just going to see how this goes. We're going to get used to it. This is the new sound of self-worst. Traffic. Dottie's here, by the way. Yep, there she is. She's barking at the neighbors. She doesn't even live here yet. She's very excited about the backyard. Dottie. Hey. She's going to like it, though. Once, she, once we get settled in, she's very adaptable. She's more adaptable than Caitlin and I, to be honest. You give her a bed, you give her some food. She's pretty much good to go wherever we go. As long as she can like sleep at the foot of our bed, she's right as rain. She don't care. So, it's really just us. Us fucking humans moving. Terrible. I'm going to launch this episode. I'm going to post this episode from the new apartment. Because that's right, we already got internet set up in here. We haven't moved one piece of furniture, not one box in. I already got the Wi-Fi set up. Because we're that disgusting and dependent on the internet. Sorry, it's just our generation. I don't know what to tell you. We're, this is just what we do. You're listening to me on the internet right now. Am I the only one who forgets sometimes that podcasts are also the internet? Because it's just, you listen to it through your phone, you just click on a little app. Sometimes I forget that Twitter is a website. I just think, I just think of it as an app because I never look at it on a desktop. And then somebody refers to Twitter as a website. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is an app. It's not a website. It is a website. I'm dumb, dog. I'm dumb and addicted to my phone and afraid of change. That's where we're at. I am clinging to comfort. My apartment is comfortable. This new change is scary and frightening to me. Apprehensive. Despite the... uh objective upgrade of this apartment it's nicer it's a lot less janky the hallway is clean they actually have a person who comes over and cleans like mops the hallway and like you know makes sure that there's not like just debris and dust and like human finger bones in the fucking hallway all the time So it's, it's going to be a nicer place. On a less nice block. But you know what? The block we used to live on, not so great either. Loud as shit over there too. We live in a city. I don't know what to tell you, Brad. I'm talking to myself right now. Because I'm being a pussy about moving. I'm trying to give myself a pep talk here. And I'm inviting you in on that thought process. Because I'm generous like that. You're welcome. I hope that this is just letting you know that, you know, if you're going through change in life, if you're 
starting a new thing. If you're leaving a thing behind and you're unsure about it, that's okay. It's okay to be scared about it. It's okay to be doubtful. It's okay to question your judgment. That's a good thing. And it's okay if you fucking made a huge mistake, too. Roll with it. If we if we move into this apartment and we decide, like, a week in, once we're all settled in, like, oh, fuck, what did we do? This place sucks. I can't deal, I can't deal with going out the front door and there's just trucks going, boom, trucks zipping by. I can't deal with it. I'm going to shoot myself. Well, then, I guess we'll deal with it. Not going to shoot myself. Look, I joke a lot about killing myself. That's just how I deal with... It, it, it upsets some people. That's just how I deal with my suicidal ideation. It's my suicidal ideation. I've been dealing with this since I was like 20. The constant repetitive thought in my head. Kill yourself, kill yourself, kill, kill yourself. I, this is how I deal with it. I make a joke. I'm not going to really do it. So I want you to know this now, listeners. If I turn up dead, it's not because I killed myself. It's because I knew too much. I saw something I wasn't supposed to. I had some enemies. So look into it. Don't assume I killed myself just because I'm a guy with a depression podcast. That's not fair. Just because I constantly joke on Twitter about killing myself. Hey, it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. It means I'm joking. But, yeah, I'm a ball of nerves about this move. I woke up this morning at about 7 o'clock and just kept my eyes closed, even though I was already awake and was like, I don't want to fucking get up. I don't want to move. I'm being a real baby about it. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if I've ever been this fucking... uh, unsure and hemming and hawing about moving somewhere. It's nuts. That's so... being so silly. I've moved so many times. I'm a guy with not a lot of money and I live in New York. You you move like every fucking year when your roommates move or you get priced out or they tear your building down. That's literally happened to me. They're like, you gotta move. We're gonna dynamite this place. Turn it into a condo. Bye. We're going to build a big fucking glass bullshit ice cube tray looking thing here. You got to go. Ragtag group of funky artists. You're out. So, you know, I think maybe it's upset because we finally felt like we put down roots somewhere. And now we're uprooting. And we're, we're not sure what we're doing. But I guess we're going through with it. Man, young adulthood, am I right? It's nuts. It's a trip. <sighs> this week, we're talking to comedian and writer Dan Wilbur. He's a real funny guy. Real smart dude. Written some books. Read a lot of goddamn books. He's an avid reader. 
very smart. Or at least very, uh, you know, learned, bookish. Does reading books make you smart? We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Oh, we bring up Robert Moses, uh, which who I have to thank for this fucking highway right outside my door. So that's relevant. Fucking Robert Moses. Fuck Robert Moses. Ruined all this shit. There's roads going through neighborhoods right up against people's buildings and shit. Stupid. Guy sucked. You know who doesn't suck? Dan Wilbur. He's my friend and a cool guy. And I was really happy to talk to him. He's a very uh, game, you know, uh, guest down for the whole thing and uh just a just you know you know you just you talk to someone it was like our first conversation was just like oh we're vibing i feel like we're vibing maybe it's just me i hope it's not just me it feels like we're vibing i worry about that all the time that's social anxiety though right worry that i think someone is i i, I like someone and I'm like yeah we're friends right we we're cool you think I'm a cool guy, I think you're a cool guy. And they're like, I think I, I'm flattered. I don't know. This is a long intro. I've been prattling on because I'm um, trying to... I, I'm working through some shit. Clearly. If you've been listening, I'm working through some shit. I'm working through some doubts. I'm a little anxious right now. I'm a little keyed up. We got to fucking pack and move. It's going to suck balls. I don't want to deal with it. I just want to wake up and be in a new place, be settled in and have it feel like home already. Just put me in a coma for like two weeks and have someone else set up the apartment. I'll just wake up in bed one day and be like, this is my home. I don't like the transition. God phone who's texting me all right i gotta go folks so while i'm doing that i'm gonna go measure the space for the couch and the tv and the bed uh, lay down some masking tape on the floor and like kind of imagine in the theater of the mind what the apartment's gonna look like uh why don't you listen to this episode with my guest dan wilbur i've been thinking like, at least when it's nice out, Backyard Podcast. Oh, yeah. Backyard Podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Could make a whole fucking web show out of that. Yeah, yeah. Set up nice lights back there and shit, <laughs> and it's COVID safe. Like, you know, like... Well, that's the thing that I'm... When I'm looking for a venue for another show, I'm mm-hmm. like, do they have an outdoor space? Yeah. Just in case shit Just in case flips. I want to keep the same Have to go back and think... And it seems like things are kind of heading that direction a little bit. I think that's what's going to happen. But, uh, as we sit in a room... Yeah, as uh, we say, just, yeah, in, in an enclosed room. <laughs> well, the window is open. Yeah, I think we're fine. So, I think we're fine. I, I showed my vaccine pass before I came in. Yes, that's right. You, you showed your Excelsior pass. I have, I mean, I was vaccinated, obviously, but I haven't been able to get on there because the site we were vaccinated at just, mm-hmm. like, isn't on the were you, app. Were you vaccinated out of state? Uh, no, just, like, right over here under, like, a bridge. Oh, under a bridge. Just, <laughs> there was just, like, a guy who had some shit. <laughs> 
it was at, um, yeah, the senior it was center. At, it was at the senior center. Um, and they couldn't remember. It was a bunch of seniors giving the shot. They couldn't remember. Well, we who went they first to, to we went to the beach who that that makes you old, <laughs> and then we came back. <laughs> And then we dressed as seniors. And then you went to the beach that makes you young. Yeah. We went to the (laughs) other beach that made us young. Mm. It was a a lot of travel involved. It was not advised during COVID season. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be a beach where they'll just give you the COVID vaccine. You don't need to go to that. Well, there are beaches that give you COVID for sure. Sure, That's like most of the state of Florida. Yeah. That's where that's happening. Very scary. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I've been thinking about putting together a comedy show here in Red Hook. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a couple going right now, the one I met you at, mm-hmm. um, at the taco place. And yeah, that's like been a big, uh, I don't know, a big get has been like, let's look for a place that has an indoor-outdoor space. I was looking at uh, right. Jalopy. They have an indoor-outdoor space, and they're like, you know, it's kind of like a crusty performer spot. And like, that might work. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But, you know. Yeah, outdoor outdoor stuff I think is going to be kind of a premium. Now, is crusty performance spot? You mean like it's a crust punk only kind show? Of, no, not necessarily. But it's like a lot of uh, people who look like they've maybe um, you know rode box cars for, as a hobby. <laughs> you know, like people our age yeah, yeah, yeah. who have who have like done the hobo thing, which is always sure, an the option. Old, yeah, Nobody that, from our generation has ever had that to phase. Do that. Yeah, yeah, we all know that phase. I think there's a couple people in our generation who who genuinely did have to live in their cars. Sure. Oh but, yeah, they, they, they've been on the show. I've had a couple. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know a couple people like who that. are yeah sure. who live in who live that van life. Yeah, and they, and they own it. But I'm like, oh, you literally can't afford rent. That is being homeless. No one our age, you are correct, is living like is like living like full on, you know, Tom Joad like. Uh, yeah, well, no, and no one can. You kinda. can't hitchhike anymore. You can't. People are too smart. Well, I mean, um, also, yeah, there's like the secure like camera situation. You can't like fucking. It's it must be no. a lot harder to skip boxcars. I don't know though. Like some of the people I know who did it in like college were pretty dumb. So maybe they could. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. it, like, I guess I'm a little bitter about it, like, or biased because like I went to art school and it was always like, sure. It was always this case of like, yeah, we just, uh, we, we didn't spend any money and we just got on a boxcar and it was that crust punk thing of like taking a, taking yeah. a fucking freight train across the country and then like calling your folks and like arranging a flight back home or some shit. Like, right. Well, you always just, had some sort of safety net. Like it was never out of necessity is what I'm saying. Sure. And I'm just thinking always, of all the times where I was like, I got to get to this place but I had planned far enough in advance that I got a dollar megabus ticket. Yeah. And then I was like, well, this is the way. This is a free ride, basically. Pretty much. And um, it's the same. I'm like, this is the same as flying. And it's not. It's no. terrible. <laughs> but it's not so I'm like, bad. It's not like a Greyhound. Have you ever been on a Greyhound? Oh, I've been on a Greyhound. Jesus for Christ. Sure. The, the worst part of the Greyhound is the stations. Yeah. <laughs> the stations are not in the nicest parts of Horrifying. town. Horrifying. Like, yeah, I... Just, you're taking your life in your hands to go out wherever they stop. They're like, here's a McDonald's. And I'm like, can we, um, can you move closer to the door? <laughs> <laughs> the first, uh, bus that I took across like state lines by myself as like kind of a grown up. I, I was only, uh, must've been, I don't know, 20 or something. I was, mm-hmm. I was fairly young. I took a bus from my hometown, Lincoln, Nebraska up to the twin cities mm-hmm. and it was a Greyhound and I'd never been on any kind of just like transit like that by myself. 
And I uh, would not recommend starting off that way. Although everything, like now, everything that happens on the mega bus, I'm like, this is great. This is totally fine. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, it's like, totally this fine. Is not that big of a deal. I had to sit facing someone once on the mega bus, and I was like, it's still not as bad as yeah. It, no, it's fine. Like occasionally, like like, what's the worst thing that happened on a mega bus? I used to go back and forth between <laughs> the Twin Cities and uh. Uh, Chicago sometimes and like a lady threw up she, right but like she like got it into a thing you know she like had she was just like not feeling well and just like pulled out a yeah. bag and was like I need yeah. to throw we've all been there okay sure I want to preface this with this story has no ending because I was a wuss but when I was like 18 I took a greyhound we stopped to get food somewhere and there was like a guy who was like there was a big snowstorm and we we're all just trying to get back to New York so I had to be like 20 actually and um there was a guy who was next to me, and he was like, hey, what do you do? And I was like, ah, I'm trying to do comedy. And he was like, oh, I'm a doctor. Uh-huh. And then the, the third guy who was like, had been sitting with us the whole time, and he was just like, yeah, I got locked up, and I got to go back to get to my parole hearing. And we were all like, okay, sure. Like, you're not even supposed to be. You weren't supposed to leave the state. Right. We're going back. <laughs> um, but the sad part is that I was too much of a, you know, I was the moment hung there for a second to be like, What'd you do? And I right. was too scared. He probably would have told you. I know. I think I look back at it and I'm like, oh man, I'm a jerk. Honestly, yeah. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it's a scary thing when you're a kid. Like the first time you run into like a like a con like a real, or like some yeah, like, yeah. like a real fucking hard ass. But they're usually pretty down to talk about it. If you I talk know. To like, and I, you know, like, like I, a, I hadn't been to prison yet. Yeah, and, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know the protocol. If you talk to somebody who's done time or like been in the service or something and sure. like really seen some shit, like they're usually like, if you're like. If they can tell that you're like, yeah, not I wasn't trying gonna to like make fun of them, make yeah. fun of them, or like yeah. be an asshole about it, just like, so what? Uh, what happened? You know, like, <laughs> what's, you know, it's, oh, it's that, fine. that guy definitely killed somebody. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> accidentally, sure, accidentally, but it, but, but he it, started but, it, but it was, he was maybe killed someone accidentally, but he was already doing something he probably yeah, it was doing. not a yeah, it was not a con air situation where right. he was he was just minding his, his own business, protecting his wife, but sure. his hands are lethal weapons. Right, <laughs> he, he actually he just straight up was like, I didn't mean to hit him that hard that many right. times. Right, and they're dead now, or he was dealing drugs. I mean, he's probably dealing drugs anytime, like nine times out of ten. I mean, that's what your podcast is about, right? Most of the time, it's, like it's people. The system, the system is not great, and most of the time, it's just people selling drugs, and they don't yeah. really need to have their lives ruined by prison. Well, I did have a, I did have an experience where I was hanging out with a guy in Cleveland, uh, and we were going to stay over at his house, and he had done two years somewhere. Um, that's all the information I want to give. Sure. Uh, but he said, I, I remember just being like, "Man, this guy's so cool. I can't believe like." They would just throw him in jail. I did like a very um, college-educated white dude thing, right. which is to be like, the system, man, the drugs. They, they shouldn't have busted him just for two years for drugs. And then like, um, he shot somebody. <laughs> like, he, he straight up shot. The guy didn't die. That's why he right. only got that many years. But he like, yeah. Right. So, I mean. Where did he, where did he shoot him? Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. Like what well, part I don't of the body? I don't want to talk okay, about it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. The guy was going away he was running away so oh so not a great way to not a great, yeah, way, to not a great way to shoot somebody. okay yeah that was like if you like went for the foot or something if you're just like trying no, to make a point no 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 like, it was eh, not that's... a no it was uh sure was if you're like anywhere situation. for the vitals or like anywhere in the back that's not that's yes not cool. and uh and he's reformed now and sure. he's, he's fine but i just remember that moment of being like oh i had 
I don't want to stay here. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I was, I was my first Greyhound ride. I was a real fucking country bumpkin. And I was just like a real sheltered little white kid and, uh, got on, like I was at the station. I was kind of like, I've never been to this part of town before. Like I've lived here my whole <laughs> life. And like, wh- where are we? I'm not quite sure. Okay. And then this guy, like he was just like talking too loud and just being kind of weird and like his all slurred. And I was like, oh, maybe he's a little drunk or whatever. And then he like we go to get on the bus, yeah. And, like line up to get on the bus. He picks up his like his suitcase and it opens up and just syringes just clatter uh, out across right. the entire thing, uh, like across the floor and like. He was like, oh, I'm shit. Uh, I'm diabetic. Can you help me pick these up? And like, <laughs> I, I like no. <laughs> took a step towards because like they, they had covers over them. You know, they weren't right, like right, right. needles they weren't used. out. Yeah. They weren't oh. used. Um, and he was like, can you help me pick these up? And like, I took a step forward like, yeah, I'll help yeah, him out. Right, right. And then this like other guy just sort of like stopped me and just like put his hand on my chest. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. And then they just started like kicking him under the vending machine. They're like, you got to get this guy off the bus. Like, don't yeah. let him on. Like, uh, uh, it was, but I guess he was going up to the Twin Cities to like go to, I think, like a methadone clinic or right. something. So he's like trying to get right. But I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we got him there. They, they, they almost stopped, they stopped <laughs> the bus and like almost had to throw him off at some point. But like, they were just like, if you don't be quiet, like, it was like, right. overnight. Because somehow so, that's the other thing about fucking Greyhound, they'll somehow make a like six hour trip last two and a half days. Sure, sure. Yeah, they was on that stop. bus for fucking ever, <laughs> just to go like that's a six hour drive. Yeah, it's crazy. I I love that we're just years. I'm gonna say not even years. We're months away from that kind of thing happening on an airplane. We're like syringes. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's syringe. a, yeah, like syringes. Big, yeah, syringes and. Just, just somebody that shouldn't be on the plane. Uh, I'm surprised that doesn't. I guess you have to go through like the. Would they catch needles, syringes? I think the, they would catch needles and syringes. Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about security. I was just right. thinking about the the cost of airplane fare and how just every day I'm just seeing another video of someone, yeah, getting taped to a chair. That for guy being got unruly, taped to the chair. But there's, you know, there was a Spirit Airlines. Yeah. There was a bat on on board, and you're like, when is it? It's like almost. We're almost to airfare being greyhound level and you're gonna have like yeah i want to pay for a completely separate i mean I'd almost i almost i need that. to go if on there was like a, if there was like an american equivalent of like ryanair where it was like a dollar a flight mm-hmm. i'd hang out with some pretty ratchet people for a few hours yeah. so long as i knew the plane was going to take off safely and land safely right like so long as the mechanics of the plane are fine, I'm not worried about that part. That's spirit. But like once you get on the plane, there might be some like shady people. Oh, you're just gonna have an That's... uncomfortable flight, but you could take spirit and sure. and don't take a bag. You have to not take a bag. <laughs> right. Try to like just as soon as if it's just you and your street clothes and you can get on They'll the make plane. You check your wallet. Yeah, they check your wallet and yeah. it's twenty five dollars a wallet. <laughs> they it's take insane. it directly out of the wallet. Yeah. They're a terrible uh, company, but Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. Ugh. Should do it. Okay. Dual prop plane. I'm. So- <laughs> I have been on a, a prop plane. I've been on a prop plane. Terrifying. It's terrifying. It's like, loud. Wait, we're doing what? Yeah, that's how New York to Buffalo. <coughs> you get on a prop plane. Yeah. And I was like, I don't ever want to do this again. I'm just I gonna just, drive, or I'm gonna take a bus, or. It just seems a little bit like, why are we still? Prop planes are. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I have it. I'm not like one of those like big like plane crash statistic guys. I don't really care. Oh, I get, I get frightened every time I fly. I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, think about it. 
I, I, I don't somehow. I, it just doesn't like I'm afraid of a lot of fairly irrational things, but just like uh, vehicles just like don't scare me. They I don't guess. scare you. Yeah. I, I found that if I talk to the person next to me for a minute mm. and I, I hate to out myself as a person who will talk to you on a plane. Uh, I've talked to anybody who seems like they want to have a conversation sure. And it could be a really bumpy ride, and I'll just be, you know, what's up, Jeff? Uh, cool. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we're not going to die because I'm sitting next to Jeff here. Right. But anytime I've like been in my own little world and I'm hungover and I'm in a bad mood and I go and I sit on the plane, I'm like, I'm the main character and this is the end. <laughs> right. It's that main character syndrome. Yeah. You don't want to be there. You want to be next to somebody who has a family and something to live for. Just right. putting that energy into the universe. I have a friend who he's gotten better, but he used to have to talk to the pilot. Oh yeah, before. I like, he's just like if I could, he like I stops at the doorway it. and he's like, I need to, I need to talk to the pilot and just like, and he's like, what are you gonna find out? What are you gonna find out? Yeah, well, like, anything he could what, find out. Would what are you be... gonna ascertain from talking right. to the pilot for? Anything that he could, that's not stereotypical pilot is just like a problematic sure. thing. You know, like he shows up and yeah, it's just, oh, just like, like a, just like Stevie a Wonder very, opens yes, the door. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. It's a very, very young person. And you're like, I just, I'm not going to do this. It's like the teenager with I the, gotta the go. croaky voice. <laughs> yeah, from yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 35. Oh. <laughs> you're like, I can't, I can't be on here. Right. It's yeah. just Michael J. Fox. He just looks young. He can just play a teenager for most of his career. Yeah. I, I've done enough comedy. I just realized that I, I have been in a bar late at night where a pilot is getting hammered, like after the show, and he's like, oh, "I sure. got a flight at six a.m." and I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I'm never flying." A, I'm hit like, the "And what autopilot air- <laughs> takeoff button?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not actually that bad, but I'm like, "Oh boy, what what airline? What airline <laughs> is that?" Okay, I'm not gonna fly that one. Sure. Ugh. Anyway, main character. So you read a lot. I do read a lot. Uh, tell us about that. As you That's, can tell. Yeah. From the sound of my voice. Yeah. I mean, you do so have readers. a bookish look. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what him. it is exactly, but you have a bookish look. I'm tired. That's what it is. Ah. I look tired mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't shaved my neck beard mm. in a while. I got to. No, but you just have like a like an English teacher, English major oh, sort sure. of vibe. Sure. Yes, I have a I have a messenger bag uh-huh. with one note, one moleskin notebook, and that's all that's in there. That's the only functional stuff that's in it. Um, I do read. I'm I'm trying to get to fifty books this year. They can be any size or type. And 50, how do you how do you do that? Um, how do you how do you read? Dan? First of all. I'll tell you. Okay. Um, it's just so funny because I was emailing you today and I know some of what I wrote to you. And I was like, I don't think anyone thinks I'm bookish. And then you are immediately like, you look bookish. No, you, you got like, a, you you got got a, a, bookish, you got a vibe. bookish vibe. So I, I, um, this is what I found out early, right before COVID happened. Now that's how all we have to fucking say. I have to be like, mm, in spring 2020. Sure. Uh, right before we went under. At, I think it was New Year's. NPR did a, like, here are five ways that you can read more. Mm-hmm. And they were like, things I already knew. But if you're looking for tips, you, you, could, you could Google this. And I, one of them was like, to always have two books going. Because there'll be one book that you're like, I'm going to devote 
like time and energy to this. I'm not mm-hmm. going to like read it right before bed. I'm going to like, I'm going to shave out an hour. I'm going to read it on my commute when I'm, when no one's talking like, or I'm going to go to a quiet place in my home. When I'm on I'm the plane unless some fucking guy. Unless some me. fucking guy is like, um, uh, have you ever thought about dying? Uh, try to read. Have you ever had a dream that a plane crashed that, um, so you'd be, you'll read that, devote time to it. And then you have your secondary, piece of reading that like you don't care if you read it in front of the television which i've done like i when basketball is on i sort of half watch it and uh and i try not to watch any other sports because i can't i can't have my entire year have like a tv on sure but i'll watch basketball and so when there's a game on i'm like you know this game's not very interesting i'm gonna read you know 30 pages of this book with it on mute or or i'll just keep the sound on and and there are some How books. How do you do that? Because it's like, well, I, my the, dad does this. Yes. He fucking reads a book while he has the TV on full volume. Yeah. Now, to be fair, my dad is a boomer and also is like is a little hard of hearing, always has been, right. like since he was a kid. Um, so I think maybe the TV like tu- tunes out, uh, like, I don't know. But like, just for me as like an ADHD person, I'm just like, I can't fucking look at a page if there's anything else going on. I have to be right. like in like a white room, like like you keep like one of the like you know the psychic X Men. If they yes. ever get captured or yes. something, you, you have to put them in like a glossy them in white room. Yeah, you have to That's where I need to prison read. just for one person. Yeah. Yes, I used to feel that way. Uh, and what you're talking about is being precious about books, mm. and uh, and they don't deserve it. Um, now that I've seen how the sausage gets made, not every book was written in perfect silence. Uh, I know some people who wrote their novels on the subway or on Amtrak, um, mm-hmm. I, which is actually a, apparently meditative. And they give people like Amtrak does like a they'll, they'll do a residency yeah. where you can go cross country both ways. That's very romantic. Come out. It to, is very do you romantic have to type on a typewriter the entire yes. way. I okay. don't know if you have to do that, but there is something meditative about it. You train. have to be like a little bit twee about it. Though, yes. Right? Okay. Yes. But if you're taking a train. Well, but by the end of that trip, you're disgusting and, and you actually are riding. The, <laughs> that's closer to riding the rails than right. whatever the, the, uh, our friends did. Um, then the other thing is is if you can stand it is audiobooks. And for me Oh, I love audiobooks. I'll do I'll do like three three, maybe four audiobooks a year, but I'll also uh mix it with the hard copy, which is a mistake mm. because then I'm just like reading in a uh you know, like a British person's voice. Sometimes a- <laughs> sometimes I need that. I, I know what you're saying. Like I love audiobooks mm-hmm. and um I mean, I want to get into this later, but like the idea that audiobooks are different somehow yeah. than reading the actual book. Like there's a snobby fucking people who are like, yeah. hey, it's not, you didn't actually read it. Fuck you. Right. Anyway, uh, sometimes I will keep the, uh, like a hard copy nearby. And for me, it's, j- it's simply so I can picture how certain names and stuff are spelled in my head. Right. You know, and like things like that. Where like if it's read to me a bunch of times, I just read the audiobook of um Confederacy of Dunces. Sure. I could not tell you one character in that book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can tell you what happens. Yeah. But I don't fucking remember Ignatius. Ignatius is, that, is yeah. my my dog's uh, name. Uh but that's after it, Ignatius like, J. Riley. Yeah. I unless I see the word written when it's like a proper noun or something, I can't it, right. it, my brain doesn't 
take it in. Yeah, that's uh, that is an issue. There's different ways. Um, I liked. I just did. Uh, yeah, this as a mix with uh, an Eric Larson book, mm-hmm. and Eric Larson's just great. Like it's already cinematic the writing mm-hmm. so it, it almost feels like cheating when you're reading it because you're like this is just i'm just like watching is a movie right here girl with the dragon tattoo guy no 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 no, no. that's uh, steeg larson Stieg larson he's dead okay. uh, eric larson is the guy who made um, a different swede the uh the uh devil in the white city okay which is hh H. holmes and then the other side is olmstead making um the chicago world's fair in 1893 it's like a it's really interesting stuff, and it's the easiest read you will ever read. Mm. But what was nice about it, I was reading the Churchill one, and there's just so many like German names, so many German, you know, like the yeah. Nazis are failing uh, to, to love to successful. see successful. Oh my god, it is really fun. Yeah, the Schadenfreude, as they'd say, and as I, you know, you're having like it's such a funny thing to read um, any World War II history book because you're like. I don't think this Hitler guy's on the up and up. I think he's, I think he's pulling the wool over their eyes. And hey, then, he like, seems like kind of a shady dude. This guy seems shady. And then, and then eventually, yes, the part you love to see is that they like, they suck at running their country eventually, like, mm. or they suck at running the war. And there's like petty grievances and petty disputes between, you know, right, and to the point where. A, an absolutely crazy person named Hess, uh, t- t- like charters his own plane uh, and takes it to, I think he goes to Glasgow. He tries to go to Glasgow, and he, is that right? He goes to the UK, right? And he tries to negotiate a separate peace for Germany because he's like this Hitler guy's fucking crazy. He's bad news, and right. and it was like a big embarrassment. And I never knew about it until I read this book, wow. and um, just that I wouldn't know their. You know, I wouldn't know how to pronounce Goering. Right. It's like the G with the O and the umlauts. Yeah, the I need both. I need, I need the pronunciation yeah. and I also need the uh, the written out word. Yeah. Especially, if, or if it's like a fucking fantasy novel or if it's sci-fi, like Dune. Like I could not tell you how to spell Kitsak Haderach or any of that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Muhadib. I have no fucking idea. Yeah, there's the words because they say it all the time. Yeah, that's, that's, and... Anyway, I, I do it like sparingly. I would right. say most of the time I'm reading silently. And I didn't mean to like uh, tell, you know, I'm not saying everybody should read in front of the TV. It's a bad thing. But sure. I think for me as a non-boomer, what happened was I went on the subway so often and you have to ignore like a mariachi band. Sure. And if you are invested in like a good mystery on the train, you will you'll get through it. If it's a literary uh, book... She's wow, backing, she's backing, backing up. Backing into the room. Dottie, you can come in head first, actually. No. No? No. She's weird. Hi. And so Dottie... Sorry if this is interrupting that's okay. the... That's all right. No, Dottie's a character on this podcast, okay, for sure. Okay, good. She's, you know, I, th- I feel like every podcaster who has an animal, they definitely like are like a guest yeah. on the show, you know, at some point. So she's like, she's strong goth girl energy. Sure. You know, um... She's like very like Lydia Dietz. She's very moody. She's very withdrawn, and she does things kind of her own way. She's just very weird. She's just very strange. She's yeah, a very idiosyncratic dog. But we love her. We yeah. love Dottie on this show. Um, so anyway, you were talking about what audiobooks? I, reading yeah, the I, I don't mean to bore people into uh, <laughs> you know the like I'm going to turn off this podcast and 
actually read something but i do think that was on the list of this this npr thing where i was like oh this is just already stuff i wouldn't have thought to do Mm -hmm. and i think having a goal in mind is good and because then you actually finish the books uh instead of just putting them down and forgetting about them (laughs) if i put a book down if i put a a video game down for three weeks i forget how to play it yeah you know i have to uh I have to keep up with it. So yeah. when you're on a schedule and you're like, all right, there's 52 weeks in a year. Obviously, like I'm not going to read 52 books. Uh, I know myself enough that one of those weeks is going to be bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just sort of like did that math in my head and was like, I mean, even committing yourself to like something like a book a week is pretty intense because it's really intense. Are long. Those motherfuckers They're are long. long. Some of them are like but, 800 pages. Right. So I'll, I read, um, was it this year? I think earlier this year I finished The Power Broker. Uh-huh. That's a big-ass book. Like, I was like, that sort of counts as like three books. If you have an apartment in New York City, you have to yeah, have yeah, that it book has on to your be bookshelf. There. And that's what I was noticing how many people had it, like on the news. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I wonder if they've actually read that. And it was thrilling. It was yeah. genuinely like every page of it was fun. And you're reading about like, you're just reading. Is it pro Robert Moses or no. anti or kind of neutral? No. It's no. anti. It is. It is anti Robert. I mean, yeah, it is good, a good because it sucks. is a screed about how New York did not have to be this way. Is their whole reason that like shithole fucking highway? Yeah. is right over our apartment. Yeah, and that the highway stretches like next to people's windows. Yeah, um, really? and and wanted to do worse. And um, and again, Schadenfreude, really fun to get you're halfway through the book you are rooting for him in the beginning a little bit because he's not um because he has vision right and that's exciting and and everybody wants to like have clout and impose their will on something maybe not an entire city and um if you're if you have any ambition it's very exciting to read but also in the beginning it's like he he screws up something it opens with him screwing like screwing someone from the yale taking Yale swim team money and using it for nefarious purposes in some capacity. I can't remember. That's the first thing you see. And he's like, I'm just going to do it and screw over this guy that everybody likes. That's our coach. And then the second thing you see him do is argue something that sadly I think was very popular, which is like the white man's burden of uh, like we, the reason, you know, civilized people need to go into countries like Vietnam is, and like, as soon as they start speaking, you're like, uh, no, right. like, we, we like, like a very British way of thinking of the entire world as like, we need to go civilize these places. He brought that to New York city Great. and that it's, he's terrible. I mean, he was a terrible guy. Um, it sucks that he didn't get more recognition for basically building long Island, but I think people on long Island know, and, uh, and maybe they're a little racist and agree with the, the white man's burden part. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna paint broad brush. Yeah, we don't. Here. We don't need to stereotype all of Long Island, but <laughs> but I do think I don't even think Long Island like loves him. I think they. I think they swear on the Belt Parkway when they're coming into New York, yeah. and they're like, I actually hate him, and I would yeah. because they could have had a train, a better train. Yeah. Um. Everywhere could have had a better train if you just uh, didn't follow robert moses's advice do you ever just you know that image that goes around and makes rounds on twitter every now and then on the or just the internet in general of the uh 
the plan for the United States high-speed rail system. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It connects, you know, like New yeah. York, Chicago, Miami, L.A., Minneapolis. Right. You know, every it, like you can get from any major The future city. liberals want that, yeah. that map. Do you ever just look at that and just feel really sad? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier today. I was just like, I, I think about it when they're like, have, like, we could just have that. When they're when, exactly. when they just injected billions into Amtrak, yeah, and that's to fix how bad Amtrak is. Amtrak sucks it's, ass. It's not to it's not to like it's like they to have keep to pay the, writers to go on their shitty fucking train <laughs> that takes forever to get across the country. I feel like I don't know how fast they're gonna get. I doubt it's you're not getting a bullet train from yeah. Amtrak, as far as I know. I, I maybe maybe someone listening to this can correct me. But I'm pretty sure they're just fixing the rails and making them yeah, I don't run think better and to new. And yeah, that's not the kind of bullet we're into. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that's uh, that does make me sad, and it makes me sad that if it happens, it'll probably be privatized. A really fun thing is that uh, Elon Musk wants to make those underground tunnels of <laughs> of electric cars only, and yeah. if he had read the power broker, he'd know. The more t- the more lanes you add, the more traffic there is. It's just a weird conundrum of city planning that, like, yeah. you go well. There's a four a four lane highway here. Add a fifth lane, no problem. Right. More cars show up. They're like, oh, there's more access. Well, then I don't have to use the subway anymore. Fewer people use the subway. The subway gets worse. More people buy cars. More congestion. And it's like this weird. Like the only thing that works is to decongest the streets of cars by making people take the subway, incentivizing people to take right. public transit. And uh, and that gets done by, like, fucking putting money in the subway system. Right. <laughs> Making the subway nice. So so you're saying the answer where, like, a car, a tunnel that is one car's breadth, yeah. so one car, one luxury car can go down at a time is maybe not the best Probably not the solution best idea. to mass transit. It is. Like one car at a time through a tunnel <laughs> isn't, isn't one, the best three. idea. You know how, uh, yeah, you know that. <laughs> Just like thinking of a single sperm coming out of a urethra. You're like, <laughs> you're like you know how men can't, uh, like, just sitting Elon down and being like, you know, when you. You jizz, right? Right. That's how I want to explain it to him. Like, there's a lot. It's not just one. It's not just one. Right. It looks like one sometimes. Right. <laughs> it all comes out maybe as like one thing in one moment, but there's a lot of stuff going on in there. <laughs> That's what you need to think about with cars. We need a way to get six, six or seven million cars out at once. Um, yeah, one car at one time. It does in a in a pipe dream, a literal pipe that yeah. holds a car. It's a great idea because it's you're like oh yeah there's no emissions there's no one's like getting sick down there no one's sure. uh, it's not it doesn't it's not a hole that smells like gasoline or whatever but you you just all you had to do was read the power but I mean, broker yeah also just like you could also since you're making the tunnel just yeah. make it a little bigger yeah just make it a little bigger and just run a th- train through that bad boy yep think about that yep you can That's call the it the Tesla train sure yeah do I don't fucking care yeah do it. Put your stupid face on every every <laughs> fucking train car. I don't care. Pump Grimes music into every car. Make us listen yeah. to it. I, I'll it, like if it's like two seventy five a ride or whatever. I'll go. I'll do it. I'll yeah. take it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, there needs to be a focus, and I think there was a focus at the Boring Company at some point to to mostly focus on public 
trance. Yeah, but nobody little. could get through it. It was just so everybody was so sleepy. It was just it was like so the boring. Most, yeah, the, yeah. I just the whole boardroom is just like <laughs> <laughs> boardroom. That's why they call it that. Come on. Um, so you've said that in spite of uh, reading an exorbitant amount of books a year, you often feel like you're dumb. You feel like I am dumb. Like, dumb. like what? Explain that. I don't know. You, you said, seem smart. Um, if if I seem bookish, you seem like just genuinely smart. Ah, okay. Well, thank you. First like of all. I think if we I'm sat and we took an IQ test, you would ace. You I mean, you can't ace. A, I guess it's a number. That's how dumb right. I am. I didn't know there was a number. Well, and also, a scale. I, I, think, I, I, I feel like, and I haven't read this because I don't read shit, but I feel like I've gleaned that IQ tests are very kind of bullshit and oh of course they're bullshit well yeah because they're as soon as somebody uh as soon as everyone on reddit is citing their iq score you know it doesn't matter no it's not good (laughs) i think i I think i got like a i did take one i think i got like a 130 that's great is that good i think so i think think something happened to me i don't know i i played football and i was a lineman and i think i got cracked in the head too many times and mm. i just you played football yeah i played i was a center wow and uh and i think just something happened between you know eating too much to mm-hmm. try to gain weight cracking my head against other kids drinking uh very early i don't know i know we were talking about other personal stuff but i was uh you know i drank when i was like 13 because i had an older brother that you were a high school beer. football player. I was a high school football player. I was... What are you gonna do? Not drink? Yeah. You're and a I and but but then I had like another like the you know, my passion during school was was theater and I gave up sports when I was a by the time I was a sophomore and what I was just that wanted... transition like? Because that's a very hard line. Like jumping from theater from I it was the slow because I to the theater. Well, I played basketball, I played hockey, I sure. played you know, I played so like all these a full other sports. On jock. I was a full-on jock, except that How, I was always a doofy. To, what did you do to get the theater kids to trust you? How did you? What <laughs> theater kids what love jocks? Yeah. They told me when I quit football, my fucking director. I'm sorry, I'm saying fuck. That's See, this okay. Is why I'm, this is how I know I'm dumb. Is that I have to like emphasize things with a uh, fucking listen oh no go um, back and listen to the episode i recorded with will winner it's just him and i just going like fucking fucking cleveland, uh, fucking 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 cleveland uh. dude that's um, right i love will winner you hear that will okay. we love you will Winner. um i'm wearing my cleveland my bone thug shirt for this podcast we didn't I, even get to your backstory you're from cleveland I, yeah, i'm from cleveland you were a football player in so cleveland. ohio is very much uh texas mm-hmm. uh in its own way where they love football I mean, I feel like Ohio football. Oh, I'm from Nebraska. Dog. Yeah, we, they love yeah. football. They, the yeah. Midwest loves football. Yeah, it's it very important, especially because of OSU, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nebraska. The Huskers. I, the, the, yeah, just like every. I feel like people get it in their heads that it's just Texas. In my mind, just because of Friday Night Lights, I guess. No, Texas is yeah. Were, were but, they in the same division? I think te- like Texas A and M and Nebraska are in the same division. They must be, like, yeah, or something. They're all I like, remember. I don't know. Everyone's. T- it's been a long it's time. It's a bad sport. It's bad for people. It, it kills them slowly. <sighs> fun to watch. Fun though. to watch. Everything. Everything's fun to watch. Anything yeah. that's fun is actually bad. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking. Smoking. Um, yeah. Driving fast cars. Yes. It's all bad. It's spreading disease by going to big parties. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's all everything you have to risk assess now. Um, and I, I was just only bringing that up uh, to give the context that no, I was never like a jock. My brother was a jock, but my brother was also like 
I guess there is a difference between jocks and people who play sports. I just played sports because people played sports. Right. And then I also was in theater forever. And theater is like, sometimes theater is like once or twice a week until the the main, you know, they're like, memorize your lines, come do these rehearsals. And then there's like three weeks where it's very intense and you're just around all those kids. Right. And it's like... it's like a high it's like really fun and you get to do the play every day and you know you're not actually learning how to act um you're just learning how to memorize right and then and then you you know and then you start to think about it and you grow up and i really wanted to do it like by the time i was like 12 or 13 i was like i really want to do this so i ditched basketball Mm -hmm. i ditched baseball which i fucking hated um which also made me feel dumb and not good uh, about myself baseball's that's a, a that's terrible a, it's a it's a very cerebral game from what i i never really got into it's, baseball it's oh it's whatever cerebral i was scared of the ball so uh, <laughs> once once you're scared of the ball and then i was like i'll I, play football i did get my and, legs taken out from under me from like a line drive one time <laughs> just like went right off the bat and like right into my kneecap yeah yeah no i wanted to pitch because i was like well pitchers don't have to go to don't have to bat in the major league or whatever and they were like yeah you still have to though <laughs> like yeah. your little rec baseball kid and i was like oh my plan has been foiled um anyway this none of this is important and i don't know why i'm talking about it except that you know yes this is my i, I wanted to do theater more than sports and i just mm. didn't have like i heard G- gary goldman was like the first person that sort of put it into words that i could understand yeah is that he was like i played football i was big i was good at it but I just like never had the killer instinct. Right. And it makes you like you internalize it because because everybody who like if you quit football, they're like, why would you quit? Like you're good. You know, you're star- if you're starting or you're, yeah. you know, you're second string even like, why would you quit? You're like a major part of the team. But I was just like a goofball. I didn't want to like <laughs> if I was like just a testosterone driven, like I want right. to fucking just devour people on the field or i had ambitions to like be a running back or be a defensive end or something like if there was any ambition to it i would have kept doing it but i just don't i don't feel it i don't have like that that drive to and now i look back and i'm like basketball has finesse and 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 there's shit talking and there's personality yeah. to it and there's like all these things that I love about basketball that I'm like yeah that's 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 it that's like my You're sport more of a and basketball I guy st- now. I should have stayed in basketball that whole time yeah and I'd be thinner too and I wouldn't have knocked my head against you know I mean it's just basketball players they're all they're all slim they're all like real slim tall yeah, long they're just, arms they're yeah, built they're, like me they look like like I maybe could have played I never did. Yeah, it's and you should you should, uh, you should I just, go like, out there and try. I was not very it. like physically. Uh, uh, I don't know. It, you don't run kid, or anything. You, uh, you no, I like do. I run. do now. I do. Yeah. I do kickboxing. I do kettlebells. I do pretty right, intense right, right. Uh, uh, workouts. But like that's been fairly recently. Um, but like when I was younger, like I was very much just like, no, I'm an I'm an artsy kid, and like yeah, and just like felt this like sense of alienation from all the like the jockish kids and was just like, oh, yeah. I, I don't do the sports thing. Like, right, know, it, right. was, it was like one of those, like I felt like I was like too good for sports or something like, bullshit. yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I don't do sports ball. Like I was like that fucking insufferable. Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> but, um, it's just funny because if I weren't, if I weren't in Ohio, yeah. I would have done that. Yeah. If I was anywhere else, if I was in Texas, Ohio, I guess maybe Nebraska would have happened to me too. But if, or if I didn't have an older brother who did it, I probably would have been, you know, 
I would have just I been like a weird. Yeah, I would have worn just, a beret. I never got pushed. Smoked. My my parents never encouraged any kind of like sport, like art. Uh, yeah. Athletic development. I'm yeah. just like, eh, that's not my. Maybe that's not my thing. It's probably fine. Know. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know. I'm in good shape now, so yeah, you look great. Uh, thank you. Um, so I don't know. It it, it 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 was something that I had to like. Being in Lincoln, Nebraska, it was the football culture in Lincoln, Nebraska is so oppressive and so huge because it's literally the only thing that like puts that city and state on a map is because uh, Memorial Field, uh, Memorial Stadium is there. And like, uh, like, especially in the 90s, I was about 10 or so, like mid 90s when the the Cornhuskers were like on top. It was like the biggest yeah. thing in the world, and like I had just this moment of like, oh, this is too like I can't. And I also just felt like I would, I'd get murdered in a football sure. field. Like I, I just couldn't. I couldn't yeah. do it. Couldn't do it. Um, but yeah. So you transitioned from uh from yeah. I was just always a theater kid who happened kid. to play. How long did you I... get? Um, were you involved in theater stuff? I was in theater uh all the way in through college. Um. And then uh, there was a show in college that I ended up like, I remember the last thing I did was that I, I said no to a show. It was like too big of a commitment to mm-hmm. do. They were like, you got to be here every day and you got to want it. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, this is just feels like sports now again, where I'm like, right. I was just, I'm studying, cl- I studied classics in college. I went to study film. I didn't understand it. <laughs> I uh, fell asleep during every movie. I was like, this is visual art. I clearly am just a writer. So like, right. I clearly want to write screenplays and novels and, and everything else. I'm just going to study like literature. And then on the side, I was like, just, you know, just doing things in people's movies. And I was doing um, little theater gigs. And I did, yeah, so I did theater like... I guess the last, you know, I still did it in New York a couple times. I did like, I'll do play readings. I'll do, mm-hmm. um, and I'm in SAG. <laughs> I just wow. I keep, I keep fucking SAG, forgetting. not act, Actors' Equity. Not a, yeah, Actors' Equity is a theater one, right? But, but SAG is like, I don't know why, and uh, I should have prolonged my uh, entrance into that union uh, so that I could do some more um, smaller gigs, right? Because now it's like. I got to go book a movie or just sit right. here or I could make my own shit, which is what you should be doing. If you're, if, a, you know, an ambitious comic is listening to this and they're like, what should I be doing? You should just be making your own stuff all the time yeah. and not be like, Oh, I need to go submit to, uh, the, uh, the sex in the city reunion. I gotta, I gotta get in there. I gotta get right. a speaking role. And speaking of gonna... comedy, what, uh, yeah, what, I apologize. What got that you this into... been... That's okay. That's okay. We're a little loosey goosey this episode. That's fine. <laughs> we I, really I, got I, into my. Well, you we started because you, you emailed me and I started telling you about my childhood and now yeah. I've just been thinking all day about like, man, no, why dude, did I play you're, sports? You're, you're an why ideal guest for I? this show. You seem very down for all for all of the things that this show is about. So I'm excited to have you on. But okay, so, well, I'll, I won't apologize again. Comedy, comedy. What got you into it? Uh, I went to Bard College and the mm-hmm. week that I showed up, uh, again, I feel like this is a lot of. Um, Okay, people don't know I'm smart. People don't know I'm dumb. People don't know I'm secretly sad. People don't know right. I'm a theater kid when they meet me. Uh, it's that I got to Bard and I was like, people don't know I'm funny. I've, I've been funny my whole life. People don't know I'm funny. I'm going to go do this open mic. And I had not watched any comedy except for like Chappelle 
and Louis Black, mm-hmm. and like that's it. <laughs> like I'd I'd seen like I knew who Pat Oswalt was. I'd like right. seen his Comedy Central presents, but I didn't like know what he was doing. I just right. like had seen bits. I'd seen like Greg Barrett's special mm-hmm. and like meant a lot to me as a youth. But I didn't really like think about doing stand up until I got to Bard and uh Kate Berlant was there oh, and wow. and Raphael Bob Waxberg who made um, yeah. Bojack Bojack and he saw me do stand up and he was like, Wait a minute, you weren't already doing stand up? I was like, no, this is just, I'm just, I wrote like a new 15 minutes a week right? because I thought I had to do new material all the time. There were no podcasts. There were three books. I bought all of them. I tried to get like really good at comedy really fast. uh, And it was just from like meeting them. um, uh, There was, you know, and we just said like, let's do this every week. Let's try to do material. This was was at Bard? This was at Bard. It was just like a little like cafe. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Raphael had been doing sketches with Old English, and he wanted to branch out and, like, host stand-up. And I would just, like, close out the show every time. Mm. And um, and it was great. I mean, like, I think back in it, and I'm like, I hate all the material. Uh, and I hate... Um, <laughs> I hate what I was, what I, uh, I hate who I was, but I love that I was, I was myself and I was on stage and I was like, this is great. And I like, I can like look at the tape and not cringe because I'm like, yeah, that's, that's just me talking. The tape still, you still have the tape? Oh yeah. Oh man. There's like, how old were you? I was 18. Wow. Yeah. I was 18 (laughs) and, uh, and then Kate left, uh, she went to New York. I sort of like. Uh, put it on the back burner and then I got a job at this comedy club I interned I just asked them can I come and work for you uh, this place called comics with an X which was on on uh, it was in the meatpacking district on 14th uh-huh. Street and, and 9th and um, and they've gone under since but the person who I met there was Cambry who runs QED now uh, runs it she owns it with uh, Christian Finnegan and they were like my entrance into New York and once I worked like once I worked for her my sophomore year of college and I just sort of saw like how a comedy club works mm-hmm. and it was like a swanky comedy club. Um, they sadly went under right? <laughs> and with a name like comics with an X, <laughs> come on. Um, and it was, you know, and I'll say uh, it partially my fault because I was the youngest person in there. I should have been telling them, uh, hey, this is how you run a Twitter or whatever. Um, but I didn't I didn't do any of that. I didn't help them enough. And, um, and I blame myself as I do with most things, but, uh, that was my, once, once I had worked there, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this forever. Mm-hmm. Once I had seen New York, how New York comedy worked. How long after that did you, wait, I'm sorry. Where's Bard? It's, uh, <laughs> okay. it's upstate. It's upstate. upstate. Okay. I thought, yeah. Ann and Dale on Hudson. Yeah. Sure. Steely Dan. So it's, ah. Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me list a couple other. Chevy Chase. Okay. They're all, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> First two were good. <laughs> Uh, you know, just a, a tiny, like, I think there's 2,300 kids, uh-huh. uh, and they have a grad school now that's new. Anyway. Yeah. A bunch of kids just so go then, there and so smoke pot. So then you moved pot. to New York and you, and you started doing, yeah, started doing comedy. Yeah. And I started coming down to the city, uh, to meet comedians and like do shows just mm-hmm. sort of very like haphazardly, like would do mics. And I would just meet like, oh, this person's funny. I'll bring them up. And I would bring them up to Bard. And then 
you know, I was like the I was like the big man on campus because I right. I brought fucking Hannibal and Kumail up to Bard, and they were like, right. people didn't know, and then. A now year later, of. it's no. I mean, it was like that year that they were. I yeah. mean, they were already on TV and stuff, and it was oh, just okay. because a college gig is different than a than a shitty. <laughs> I'm not saying right. I'm just saying it was the same as inviting them. Like, hey, just come like way uptown, right? But I was like, hey, come on this train for two hours, and the school will pay you like too much money, yeah. And you'll be you will feed you. And then you can go home and be like, I did an hour and I didn't realize what a gift I was giving them. I thought they were like doing me a favor. I'm not right. saying I'm, they I were sound like, so rude. Right. I sound like I'm name dropping and then I'm like, and they should be fucking grateful. I made them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying right. that like, uh, if you, it's so easy to make a comic speaking from experience, make yeah. a comic feel good. And it's like, give them a beer, give them a free, some free food, like open yeah. the tab and pay them and like that's it and if you can pay them and then give them an exorbitant amount of time they could not find in front of a good crowd like yeah like they could go do 30 minutes somewhere in new york but it'll be in front of six people and that sucks but if you can get like a bunch of 20 year olds (laughs) yeah uh, who are probably drunk and high into a tiny room and it feels like a nightclub and you fed them and and you paid them like they would have done that show for free but you just gave them this like gift. And I remember at the time being like, um, could you please like, uh, I just really would like my show to be good and I'd love you to come up. And they right. were, they were just so gracious and so nice and they, they absolutely wanted to come up. So yeah, by the end of college, I like knew a bunch of people in New York hmm. and you mentioned, uh, going to Bard, uh, helped erase whatever like kind of toxic thoughts you had about masculinity and everything kind of growing up. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? So yeah, so awakening transition. You're, you're yeah, getting for, woke <laughs> for context. Yeah, uh, I went to a Jesuit school by choice, mm-hmm. which was well, I, you weren't raised Catholic or a anything. Deep mistake. No, I was not raised Catholic. You were My like, were oh, I want to get into this. I was like, I got to get in there. What the um, fuck? Because it was a very good school. Yeah, and I didn't feel this is this will really. Uh, I remember being in like seventh seventh or eighth grade. They were um, they were having a debate about the levee in Fairview Park, Ohio. Uh, and you know, like all these old people in Fairview Park, Ohio being like, I don't want my taxes to be raised. And it became like, like at a political awakening for me that I was like, Oh, there's a bunch of old people who live here who don't care about me specifically. Like right. don't care what happens to my school. And then the school did all this propaganda that sort of shot themselves in the foot. It made some kids like love their school, but it was about like, Hey, we're all in this together. You need to like go tell your parents sure. to like, because if we don't have money, all the good teachers will leave. This school will start to suck. You won't have, like, band anymore. And it was, like, a real, like, Mr. Holland's Opus uh, level. Like, we're going to go and budget cut everything. And right. so there's no sports and there's no art and there's no math. We're not going to have math anymore. <laughs> and I was right. like, I think this school's going under. And my best friend was a year ahead of me. And he was going to St. Ignatius in the fall. And he was like, come, like, see this place. Like, you're going to... You know, my brother went here. My dad went here. He was like legacy. They're all, all his whole family. They're all overachievers. He's a pediatric oncologist now. He's my best man at my wedding. I sound like I'm talking shit about him. Sure. I am. Uh, he, <laughs> he deserves to be taken down a peg, but he was an overachiever then. He's an overachiever now. And he, um, he convinced me to like, just go to this school, uh, which had like 
freedom, like weird, free, like you had to wear a tie and you had to shave mm-hmm. and it felt really like stringent and like a Martinet uh, vice principal was at the head of it and like, you know, destroyed our mm-hmm. egos. But you got to like, they just trusted you because yeah. it was a private school and there weren't any rules and they were like, you can go eat uh, wherever you want. Yeah. You don't have to sit in here during your off periods. You can go, like, don't vandalize anything. Like, they, they knew you weren't going to go. And so, of course, there were a bunch of kids that, like, went out and smoked behind the school or whatever. But for the most part, it was just, like, a very, like, free place. And then there was a theology department, and it was all male. And between those two, um, right. between the lunch table and the theology department, a lot of toxic shit. And then football. Like, right. But football, honestly, like locker room talk, football players, usually just gross. Usually just like I have jock itch and like, right. I, you know, would, would, you know, daring people to eat something disgusting and right. like, like not even hazing, just like a friendly, like what's the most disgusting thing we could think of? Right. And like, let's smell all my go. sweatband. Yes. You know, like yeah. 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 Like that, Throwing yeah. your sweatband at somebody. Right. And, and maybe calling, yeah, calling someone a slur, but like getting hammered with them a lot of camaraderie and it was good the lunch table was where like that's where you got sort of bullied or and i told you i wasn't bullied but like people would just they'd ask you about your girlfriend and then you'd like say something and they'd be like yeah that's you're gay because you've never had sex with her and you're like okay leave me alone like i don't want to talk to you you don't seem like a good person and like i'm gonna go sit with the football players because this sucks like whoever you are you suck and it was such a big school that you wouldn't you would have those interactions where you're like i don't really know this person i see them every day and i hate them and uh so you'd have like animosity for your fellow man then you go to the theology department where they tell you like just batshit stuff right (laughs) like telling you um I mean, the thing that comes to mind wasn't even, uh, isn't anything that like made me feel sexist, but, but like, I remember they showed us, it was just Fox news. They were just giving us Fox news and painting it as something the Pope would have, uh, added to the dogma of the Catholic church. And it wasn't true. And it was like stuff like Terry Schiavo, like the most complicated issue of that month that we were talking about was like, should we, should a man who married this woman, who's clearly a bad guy be in charge of like the fate of this person or should it be her parents? And like, what right do parents have? And I honestly shouldn't just be the doctor. And like, isn't this just a hard thing that humans have to deal with? And like all these things that like in my head, they just stuck it inside. Like, no, this person's alive and you have to like treat them like a living person, same with abortion, same with, yeah, you know, so in the, like, it's almost not toxic when you think about it, because it's like, I'm telling you to respect other human beings right. as much as possible, but under the dogma to which I subscribe. So then you're like, well, do you actually respect women by telling them they shouldn't be pro-choice? Do you actually respect, right. uh, you know, human beings who want to make choices with their bodies, like even adult men who want to go on birth control or get vasectomies. Like we talk about all that shit and it was all from the perspective of like male. Right. It was from a male perspective because there were men in the room. 
I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that all the clergy is men in the Catholic Church and women can't be priests. Women can't be priests because the man is like in... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like there's a whole thing. That's actually... It's not dogma, but it's doctrine and they can't go back on it. Right. Just in case you were holding out that like one day we'll have female priests. You won't. What's the difference between dogma and doctrine? uh, Dogma is like you got to believe this. Or, um, or you're out. So, like, mm-hmm. if you don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that, sorry, that's the deal breaker. Right. If you don't believe the Eucharist is the actual inhabited by God and isn't just a, like, a stand-in or whatever, you're out. That's okay. dogma. Uh, doctrine is like, well, Jesus needs to be represented by a man. We all convened with the Pope in 1380-whatever— and uh, doctrine says that it has to be a, you got to have a dick. You got to right. look like Jesus to get in that that priest robe. That's doctrine. You can't go back on it. Whatever right. we did in the past, if there were female priests at some point, it doesn't also be matter. great if you doctrine. also had to be ripped. Like, yeah, you, you had to be ripped. Also, yeah, you have, to be, every you have priest to be has to have bleeding. Abs. <laughs> you have to be you have to be currently being stabbed. And then right. uh, and then to give you something, a uh, papal suggestion, or uh, I think there's one more in between there. Uh, the f- priests can't marry, mm-hmm. that they could change. They could change that at any time. That's not doctrine. That's just like papal. And then papal suggestion is the very bottom where it was like, it seemed to be the most important to me because it was stuff like Pope John the Paul II said like, you shouldn't, America shouldn't go to Iraq. And yeah. I'd be like, look at that. And they're like, yeah, but that's just like, that's just some guy talking. They clearly don't give a shit. Like, like, cause the Pope, yeah, he was, in, he was against the war. The new Pope I, was, was, you know, he's very like on board with he's a socialist. Know, climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and helping the poor and, and he was against Trump and, and like clearly a lot of his. All they, papal they suggestion. Yeah, and that's when you, but he butts up against it all the time where he's like, we really need to spe- respect like gay members of our church. And right. then someone was like, well, does that mean you're going to let like gay people get married? And he's like, no, like, right. No, we're not doing that. Like it's you. I mean, it's just he's not in charge of everything, and uh, there's right. like precedent. It's like it's like it's like overseeing the Supreme Court, but for like <laughs> who can come and who can. <laughs> uh, anyway, it all broke down in uh, at Bard because Bard yeah. is like a it's like a hippie. It's a private college, uh, run clearly by like this probably an atheist man right and then uh and uh and then there were women in my classes and once there were women in your classes actually like calling you on your bullshit yeah (laughs) like like a it's i i think often about the times that i was in college and i was just like spouting something where i was like i don't believe that opinion it makes me cringe i hate that i said that in public but thank god for like there were a couple women that i'm still friends with that were in the class to be like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, right. Just, just to call you on it and tell you a different perspective um, right. and, and argue and debate with you. And then it, it all like broke down. Were you ever the archetypal, you know, like David Foster Wallace, fucking like mansplainy, uh, uh, like toxic sure. literature, dude. I think when Bukowski I think of, to- and shit. when I think of toxic men, it's like a spectrum and that oh, yeah, we all totally. get to, we all, we're as, all a little bit on there. Yes. As yeah. like Brooklyn men who, with, you know, who live with their partners mm-hmm. are, uh, 
I think, very aware that they are not such... They're not like Ed Hardy... (laughs) Ed Hardy-level douchebags, but that if you had the right set of friends, it might turn that way. (laughs) And uh, Yeah. So, yes, I had a very... um, I would say the toxic stuff came from, uh, you know, just regular male fragile ego where i was like no i'm right this is my this is my truth i'm gonna say it and uh you know doing a bit that's like i like blowjobs and you're like well that's not that bad but then you're like oh i like you know i don't like it when someone doesn't give me a blowjob and then people are like boo right (laughs) boo (laughs) and you have to like rethink it you're like oh right people aren't um you know, I wasn't doing like edgy material ever. I was right. just, but I was, yes, probably like more along the lines of a mansplaining. You know, I read all this. I'm still a mansplaining yeah. uh, jerk. I'm like yeah. telling my wife, I'm like, did you know this thing about Winston Churchill? And she's like, everyone knows that. <laughs> everyone knows that. Oh, right. okay. All right. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's not I mean, mansplaining, by the way. Sure. But <laughs> I mean, mansplaining is one of those terms I'm kind of like, I have like one foot in, one foot out, where I'm just like, hey, people explain things to each other, and that's okay. Like, you know, yes. like, pe- I, women explain things to me about shit that yeah. I don't know about. Like, it's just, it's. Yeah, I would say, like, my go to at a party yeah. is someone would bring something up, and I would, because I read, <laughs> know three things about it, and just right. spout them out like a. Like a human uh, NPC. Right, but see, that's the thing, is that, like, I think some people, like, they read that as, like, this person thinks they're a know-it-all, but it's just, like, maybe they're just, like, kind of trying to socialize, and they're maybe a little bit socially awkward, and you tell them something, you ask them about something that they, they just, they know that in order to, like, connect with other people, you have to, like, go to a party and hold a red solo cup and, like, run your mouth. Right. So, if all they know about is, I don't know, fucking, like, 70s music and cinema and pop culture yeah they'll just like go down a rabbit hole and they'll start telling you about you know like fucking charles bronson and fucking kung fu movies and stuff yeah i'm like yeah i mean it's it's ruined mansplaining is a weird one because i'm like i i know exactly what it is yeah it's like pornography you know it when you see it but like there isn't maybe i know the most i know the most egregious examples sure and then i'm like it stopped me from saying something, you know, I was going to like just rattle off a David Bowie fact to someone. And I was like, I don't know. They probably know it. And then yeah. I was like, well, that was stupid. You should have just said it. And yeah. then like seen, seen if anybody knew that fact and then you could walk away. Um, and it's not, you know, it wasn't a David Bowie scholar. They were just talking about David Bowie. Right. I wanted to also talk about it, but I do get that. Yes. There are like cosmonauts or whatever, like women that are, yeah. <laughs> is that the word? They were like, they're like, someone's explaining to them how like a space shuttle works, and they're like, yeah, I work it. Yeah, that totally, <laughs> that totally exists. Like, I understand, like, you know, I'm not trying to like be literal, uh, literal about the term mansplaining. I know what it means, you know. Yeah. Like, but um, I also just feel like people who are sort of brainy and nerdy and like a real passionate expert on uh, certain topics, like sometimes that's just who they are, and it's not necessarily like a gendered. Well, I yeah. love that we just don't have Dang. a woman in this room to I tell know. us that we're just we're mansplaining it to each other. We're like, oh, we both. Well, I feel like we we're not, both. On I know the what same... mansplaining means. Okay, I've like, had conversations. Like, I feel like we've just been on the same page for the last five minutes, but yeah. we've been explaining it to each other. <laughs> Fuck, we're doing it now. Fuck, God I'm damn it! it. I, he just said what I said. I can't help I, it. He said it louder. 
I'm just trying to just trying to explain, just trying yeah. to show that I'm smart. And that perfect. I can do stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Like it, masculinity. I mean, again, not to sound like a fucking I don't know, like a, a grieved or uh, or like a victim about it, but it's a tough area to navigate to just like be a dude and try and be a good person. Yeah. You know. Um, sure. And because I feel like there is an overcorrection, perhaps, and There's there is, and and I'm often very skeptical of dudes who will just I don't know, put feminist in their Twitter bio or something like that, where yeah, it's just like I, I would broadcast how much you know. Where I'm just like I don't know. There is that like performative wokeness that's always sus to me, and yet it's. Like, I, I won't say that I've never, like, done anything like that either because, like, I, right. you know. Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm more on the – when I think about it, I think of how toxic it is that I got the defensiveness kicked in. And my knee-jerk reaction was when people were talking about all these things for yeah. the last five years, I was like, yeah, but I'm not as bad as, like, right. You're not, these five other not people. All men. Of the not all fr- men. Not even not all men. Yeah. Not all – not me. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> like literally like not me. Right. Uh, because that and that is a gross reaction. Sure. And uh, also you should just be taking stock of like the wrongs you have done. Yeah. So that you can be the best person you can be. Yeah. Which is literally what they were trying to teach me in Jesuit school. They were just doing it wrong. Right. But like instead of asking the shitty question, which is like, how bad can I be before I've broken the law or before yeah. I've done something unethical and you're like, well, you should be thinking like how good of a man can you be? Right. How can you leave the world a better place than how you found it, which is going to be harder apparently than mm-hmm. any other generation that's ever lived. Yeah. Um, we're going to leave a shit, a shit box to our children, but also like, can you teach your kid like, okay, these aren't skills that are going to, help you uh, dominate other people and be competitive in your field, but they're just ways to be like kind and like connect to other human beings, which is ultimately more important. And it's like, that's all I was looking for. Sure. But it's hard to fucking convince people that that's what's important because that's not what our society (laughs) rewards. Is it? Well, not until you use stamps.com on this because <laughs> we've been connecting capitalism let me get this uh ad out no i uh yeah that's uh, by the way if any advertisers do want to sponsor the show <laughs> i think you can just do it. let me know i the only I sponsor, you just make the url the only um the only offer i've ever gotten from a sponsor was an instagram dm that said we think you'd be a good brand ambassador for this uh for this electric shaver called Smooth My Balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a like it's like a manscaping, like men's That's, grooming uh, thing. I was like, I don't know if that I mean I wonder where that fits on the spectrum much? that we've been talking about it. Yeah, yeah. But like, is that that's just a man taking care of his body. Yeah. And loving himself. That's, that's just self hygiene. I'm that's not self care and I'm not hygiene. opposed to that. I, I wasn't like disgusted. I was like, yeah, but okay. It's, ge- it's a gendered razor. So I guess so, but yeah. But they do that in either, I don't know. You probably do have to, like, maybe if it's like an electric shaver, like scrotum skin is maybe a little different than labia skin. So you have to, like, have a little bit different device. You also don't shave your labia. That's just the part. (laughs) Sure, that's the inside. Well, I mean, the outer outer part. Sure. 
you know, around the... Let's name all the parts. Let's name all the parts. We got the clitoris. <laughs> we got the urethra. We got the oh, labia, labia majora and minora. Uh, oh, good. We got oh, the man. frenula. Hmm. Male, I know that's male in there feminist. somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. I no, performative work, wokeness, by the way, is just hated by all people, including, you know, your anarchist, uh, as I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have... Uh, trans and queer friends that are just like i was at a meeting and someone said he him at the beginning you know like my name's dan he him and they're like yeah we know yeah <laughs> like and like, and like they're, and maybe that's just them being judgmental sure I, I mean like i i see where like stuff like that i'm like i like your spirit you don't yes. necessarily have yes to, like it's it's fine. it's fine but i also like and i'm not gonna because the thing is that Stuff like that often becomes fodder for like right wing reactionary people. Oh sure, and they'll just start, you know, like yeah, they'll put it over. A like, yeah, there's a fucking South soy Park. boy with his pronouns yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So like, I try and not give anybody that much ammo, even right. though like I don't really care what they say. I'd rather not contribute to anything that's going to like I don't know, let someone. I don't know, have leverage or ridicule over me, you know, because yeah. I already feel kind of shitty about myself. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need some fucking jerk off telling me I'm a soy boy. Like <laughs> I know I'm sensitive and stuff. Like I, I get it. Beautiful. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough area to navigate, I guess. Um, so um, other mental health stuff, how is, how is your mental health uh, 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 journey been just overall? And, you know, not even in terms of masculinity and stuff. Yeah, well, I think it's all like tied together. Sure, of course it is. Um, because when I started going, you know, my 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 therapist and I, you know, it's like a safe zone to. I we had one thing where he just talked about uh, Carly Kloss's legs for like five minutes, and I was like, all right, <laughs> like that's cool. Hmm. Like, like he's a very, uh, you know, it's like a safe space for us to all uh, right to discuss our uh, male instincts, I'll say. And, sure. um, and you know, toxic masculinity is what uh, what got us into depression in the first place, I think. I don't know how you are. I mean, yeah. Lo- I mean, that's a big part of it, for sure. I think... Uh, how do I put this? Um, I know people who are on the other side of the toxic masculinity spectrum from where I'm trying to be. Yeah. Uh, who are just like leaning into just being as much of a shitty dude as possible. And I think they're right. also very depressed. Yes. So, I think they're all depressed. Uh, yeah. And, uh, like, I think I took a long time to just be comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And um, a part of that, I mean, a major part of my depression recently is just, you know, comedy is full of rejection and things I thought would have happened that didn't. And then I waited, you know, speaking of toxic bullshit is, you know, I waited to my wife and I have been together for 11 years, but we got married like three months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's because I was waiting for like the comedy career to take off. Like (laughs) I was waiting to make some money and to do something with my life instead of like making her marry like a schlub that, you know, I didn't feel good enough for her and she didn't, you know, she, right. I was making her wait too long. It was a lot of things where I was like a, a guilt spiral. That's a complicated issue. Cause she's mad at you for not 
for not uh, uh, dropping the question. I should have popped the question, the question early. Uh, you know, she feels unappreciated. But then you're like, no, baby, it's not. It's not because I don't love. It's because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, which is actually not. A, I don't. Women don't. You. Women don't like to hear that. Yeah. By the way, um, yeah, I was having this conversation. I think with Steve Rogers, where I was like, Captain America. Steve Rogers, Steven, is Steve Rogers? Uh, I think Steve Rogers is Captain America. Oh, okay. Were you talking That's, about Captain uh, America? No, there's a guy, he's a comic. His uh, name's Steve, Steve, yeah, he's, okay. Steve Rogers. And I was just saying, like, I, I knew, like, I don't know the, um, oh, the moment I knew, like, oh, I got to marry this woman. But I knew the moment, like, oh, I basically just asked her to marry me. And it mm-hmm. was, like, five years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, whoops. I, I just realized, like, I'm happy and yeah i want to do this forever and i just didn't like buy the ring and do yeah. what i was supposed to do um formally so and it was like i got her a camera you mm-hmm. know for her birthday and she like sobbed because it was like a camera that she could i shouldn't be talking about this That's but okay. it was a private moment but it was like sure. a moment where i was like oh like i got this this wasn't to like put something on this was like so we could make something together this was like something I wanted us to have together. Right. It, I know it's just like an object, but the thing it it like meant a lot. And mm-hmm. then we got a dog, and it's like once you have a dog, like what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> you might as well have a kid. Yeah. That's not true, but uh, it is that is how it feels. So I would say um, my journey's been bad. <laughs> once I got into therapy, <laughs> I got into therapy at thirty. Mm-hmm. I needed it when I was fourteen. Um, I talked to like my school counselors and priests and people that you know should have in my view done a better job yeah and told me to go to a regular therapist uh and then once i sort of had like multiple experiences where i was just putting a patch on the tire and the you know there was one where i was like i went to a bachelor party and i was like yeah that's all that matters is like connecting with your friends being with your friends, like getting fucked up, like thinking like all these things where I'm like, whiskey has to be involved. You have to bond with people. And then like that would wear off. And I'd be like, all right, no, it's really, it's about work and work is number one thing. And then you find out how empty it is. And they're like, no, it's my relationship. And you're like, why isn't my relationship perfect? Right. And then you're going from thing to thing, just like sucking all the serotonin you can out of every little endeavor. Yes. And so then I finally got to this point where I started playing guitar and I love guitar. Right. I love my guitar like, teacher. Fucking guitar doesn't make yes. me happy. My guitar teacher is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's, he is not very Zen. Like he's less Zen than I thought he was. Mm-hmm. He is a little more cerebral. Um, and he loves theory and he lo- like he, he is a person who genuinely loves his craft yeah. and to be in a room every week with a guy like that and, and then learn something and like, so I have genuinely found a place where I'm like, wow, this was therapy. Right. Um, and this was good. Uh, but I needed like actual regular therapy. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so whenever I've been playing guitar for like four years now. So I've been in therapy for three years. And I right. know because like I got to like a year of playing guitar and I was like, I am so unhappy. <laughs> like I can, I can feel how unhappy I am right. all the time. And, and, the guitar is like nice and it's a little patch on the tire every day that I have like 15 minutes to get better at something yeah. that's just for me. It's like spiritual just for yeah. me. And I was like, no, something like broke 
And I was like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I, I quit drinking for like months and I was like, it's not that. Right. <laughs> and I quit smoking. I quit eating sugar. I like did all these things where I was like, nope, it's not that. Right. <laughs> like, I know what it is. And I like didn't want to face it. And it was something that I should have just taken care of. You were willing to give up all this fun stuff, drinking and sugar. Oh, I came back. back. Yeah. (laughs) But you would rather test all those variables first before go to therapy. Yes. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, and then therapy. And uh, and I take Zoloft now. Yeah. um, I had a bad experience on Wellbutrin, which Mm. I have. Is that a similar compound? Is that. um... Wellbutrin fucks with your dopamine. Okay. Which is always bad. Right. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad drug. It works for a lot of people. Right. And and I have friends that are just like totally normal on it. Yeah. But uh, certain people react to SSRIs like it just sends them way up. Right. And it's that's the I'm first on place an SSRI I went. now. So Wellbutrin's yeah. an SSRI. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so. and and Zoloft is too. Zoloft is a SSRI. I thought it was. Yeah. It's just M- mild. M-A-L-I. It's mild. Oh, okay. I don't know. It, Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Like I think a, it's a different. It's like a different. It only me- Zoloft so Zoloft only plays with serotonin. Ah, like that's it. Okay. And it, <laughs> and sadly, it makes you like. Well, butrin's great because it it uh, it's an appetite suppressant. It makes people lose weight. It makes people mm-hmm. feel good. It just genuinely makes you feel good. And then for some people, it makes them feel too good. And then I had to. That was is a that fun what happens? Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk us through that? I uh, I danced through the streets. I um, when was this? I cried during uh, every movie I watched. I was like uh, sleeping. How long were you on it? Four hours. I spent a whole month on it, and um, the first two weeks were just like the best two weeks of my life. Right. And I kept. I didn't like call my psychologist. I was just like, hey, I'm having like, I'm just feeling like jumpy, and you know, I'm feeling a little weird. Right. And he was like, yeah, it's kind of normal. And he was like, let me know if it gets worse. And then I just like didn't let him know. And I got to this point where I was like the first two weeks, it, it, it almost works like ADD medication. It, right. it works like I was reading. I finished Infinite Jest. Um, the last 200 <laughs> pages of Infinite Jest, I did. I finished on Wellbutrin. I was having insane dreams, right. like just dreams that were epic length and uh, ended with me in hell and then like escaping hell and then i was awake and i was like i'm back baby and then sleeping for like five or six hours uh instead of you know i sleep like nine hours um as a normal this all sounds great oh you're that's why people don't look crazy ass dreams that's why people don't get help Uh, (laughs) that they this is the problem with like uh bipolar uh people is when you're when you're up you're so up you're like why would i ever seek right. out because i was trying to do a bit about it where i was like you ever gone to the doctor and just been like yeah i'm feeling too good right. <laughs> i just can't stop dancing and then they're like yeah so we you're, get you're you bipolar you have bipolar it's not bipolar it's um it's like the jury's still out on what they call it it's mm. like a medically induced uh mania hypomania okay. it's hypomania and it's and it literally just means like like if if you knew somebody who did cocaine and they were like, they acted fucking crazy when they were on cocaine, yeah. you'd be like, oh, you shouldn't do a stimulant right. that that affects your dopamine levels in your brain because you are fucking nuts when you do it. Right. Wellbutrin, I'm not saying Wellbutrin is cocaine, but it does feel that way. And uh, <laughs> you take Wellbutrin in it, if you go up that high, you're, if you, they say if you've done it once, you're technically like bipolar three. And you have I to didn't watch know there out. Was a third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's bipolar two, bipolar three. I don't, I don't it's know the trilogy. difference, but they're, Fuck. but they're like, 
basically, like, I don't have to write it on any, right. like, uh, when I go to buy a gun, I don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> um, and I don't, like, I don't have to, like, <laughs> not that you have to announce your mental health issues, but I think it's good to know. I think it's good to talk about because that was my fear. Like, my number one fear in taking meds was, like, I'd been therapy for a while, and I was like, this is really great. I love therapy. Yeah. And he was like, I suggest you, like, find a psychologist and, and try to figure out what drug you want to be on because you have, like, persistent unipolar depression like you are you are consistently spiraling into a place where like you are down for three months yeah and you need to find something that'll break you out of it uh that's not just meditation and guitar (laughs) because it's not working right so i went in and they were like oh you're worried about your weight take wellbutrin it's really good and then i just went fucking nuts and i lost a ton of weight um there you go i was very nice you (laughs) know that you know i there was a point where and you get positive feedback from everybody else They're exactly like, well you my great. you've been wife, in a great mood you're really funny my wife was like don't you want to sit down and watch this i wasn't sitting down i was like pacing all the time and then she's like don't you want to watch this movie with me it's really funny and i was like i am cleaning the stove <laughs> like that was a real like and we didn't fight or anything and then i got um i remember we went to go visit my parents and i just started to have like dark incessant dark thoughts like like um I didn't want to kill myself. Hmm. I was thinking, you know, I was in my house and I was like, what if somebody breaks in and tries to kill us? Well, I'll probably kill them first. And I'm like, wait, what if I'm crazy and I'm the one that's, and I'm having these thoughts because I want to, and then I'm like, well, you need to shut up brain because we're not actually doing that. And then the more you try to shut up your brain, the more it starts to talk to you. Then it started talking in my, my best friend's voice, this, this, um, my friend Olivia was speaking to me and was like, listen, you, you can't tell anyone that the pill is doing this to you because if you do, they will take it away. And I was like, right. all right, this is great. <laughs> um, and then I finally talked, I talked to my mom. I, I was in, in a, I had like too much caffeine at some point And my mom like uh, gave me some wine and was like, you need to sit down and shut up <laughs> and right. like maybe take a nap and then call your guy. Like, right away and then i went off it and it was over right and that was it and wow. and i went right to zoloft and you know zoloft's been fine and yeah you know but it was a very weird experience and i'm speaking about it like it's a drug experience because it's a drug yeah <laughs> and it's like if it's no, not I mean, good it, for you you need serious, to yeah it you can, can really give you the whole you know that gives you the whole fucking like uh the Goodfellas arc. Yes. You know, like yeah. The, it the did fly feel... arc where like for a couple of weeks, you're like Jeff Goldblum and you're the like doing pull-ups. The fly like, is perfect. Yeah. Oh my and God. you start falling apart. I watched the fly and I was like, this it's is amazing. what it was. It's so good. I yeah. was, I was doing, yeah, I was bench pressing. I was doing pull-ups and flips and gymnastics. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I was throwing up on myself and yeah, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. It's not, it's not a, the fact that they give it to people to quit smoking is fucking nuts to me. They do that? Yes. Yes. Look it up. Well, Butrin right. is a cigarette deterrent. And what? you're like, get the fuck out of here. Don't do that. If somebody yeah. says, if someone says, hey, if someone doesn't tell you to use a jewel pod first. Yeah. <laughs> get right. The fuck or out just of here. nicotine gum or just something, <laughs> something very much, you know, something, something kind of easy like that. That seems crazy. Yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, perfectionism, because you had a really good uh, answer. In <laughs> you had a good. I don't remember it. You had okay. I'll I'll, I'll read it back from your your pre-interview uh, question. Um, you said 
I think whatever comes out of my mouth last is brilliant. And then I think for 10 seconds, wait, that sucks. Also, I could also be making a TikTok or a joke or a character every day, but I don't do it because I don't like how I look. I don't like the joke. And I think people don't like me and on and on. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Is uh, That's the description of writing, I think, mm-hmm. is that when you write uh, at least fiction or nonfiction, you're writing an essay, maybe a comedy bit, but comedy is a little more fun uh, in some contexts is that you you're like wow you have a moment where you're like this is just the best thing i've ever written people are gonna love this piece of writing that i'm doing like especially fiction Mm -hmm. and then you read the draft you wrote and you go what is this this is absolute garbage like this is the worst thing i can't believe anyone would hire me to do anything if you got hired for it or so imposter syndrome comes up i know you're asking about that yeah and you're like I know I've written 10 other things. I know I've finished a book before, but for some reason I'm like, there's nothing, nothing good is ever going to come out of my brain again. And then like by your third or fourth draft, you're like, actually it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like the original ideas there was actually kind of good. Like that's fine. Like this part's good. And I just needed to move this around and I needed to add a yeah. lot and cut. I needed to cut the first two paragraphs because it didn't actually start until the third. And you just, I mean, it's just editing and, and that, in itself is uh what makes a perfectionist a good writer and also what it how it makes it miserable to be in yeah you know and for comedy what's great and why it's a great outlet is that uh and especially now when you saw me around the corner is that i'm just having as much fun as i can i knew what i came to say but i i just sort of let go for like 10 minutes yeah and like that's my own and that's the same with playing guitar is like if you play guitar and you sing you can't really think that hard you're doing like this rote activity with your hands it's muscle memory you're trying to belt out the song and remember the words you can't really spend a lot of time thinking about like well i don't sound like you can hear in your voice for a second maybe you correct really fast and that's the same as doing like live stand-up or speaking on a podcast i'm speaking extemporaneously it feels yeah, good. I mean, it feels better every, than everybody sitting and who uh, I feel like people who are drawn to something very intense, uh, like performing live or um, or even, you know, like certain sports, uh, motorcycles, like things like that. Anything that makes you have to not think about anything else. Yeah. You know, like it forces you into the moment. It's, you know, it's a meditation. People, yeah. People want... find that in martial arts. Yes. People find that in, you know, all kinds of sports. People find that in, you know, I don't know, a lot of things. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that's why I've stuck with stand up is that when you get to a moment where you're actually connecting with the audience, you actually have not only are you not thinking, I mean, maybe you're thinking three steps ahead of the game, mm-hmm. but there is like a little moment of transcendence, which you would not get from writing or sitting and editing something or like something you're going to put on the internet. You know, that's what I think about like TikTok jokes. I'm like, I can talk for a minute. I can get this thing like punched up. Like I know this joke well enough. I've said this joke enough times on like an open mic or zoom. Like this was pandemic time. This is when I got into it. And I was like, I'm just going to hold my phone in front of my face. I'll see my face. I'll know how I look. And then I like see a, yeah, like a big like zit on my forehead. And I'm like, all right, that's strike one. (laughs) Right. And then I fumble the joke three or four times. And I'm like, this is fucking pointless. And then I'm like, maybe just do it 
say it the way you want to say it. If you fuck it up a little bit, that's okay. Just add in the, you know, yeah. just don't add the ums in the subtitles and then just get it out there. Like, you gotta, like, let yourself you go have to just bit. like eventually let go of it yeah and just let it fly yeah let the arrow fly that's the hardest that's one of the hardest parts is not letting it be perfect first right um and that's yeah i know i know I that just, i mean i just fucking deleted a thing yeah a tweet that was doing well or i put something on imgur and i had spelled i was writing about video games and i'd spelled the word potions it like autocorrected to positions uh-huh. and i didn't notice and then it had it was like racking up you know a bunch of likes yeah and then i deleted it and then it got like nothing and i was like oh right wow <laughs> yeah people know what I was you like, meant <laughs> yeah they knew what i meant and i was like well what's the difference just leave it and like yeah. you you fucked up the process of people discovering this thing and it could have just had a typo in it and who cares i've found it hard at every point of the creative process to just sort of push through the discomfort of even like looking through like even this uh notebook that i have for the interview this is actually an old ass notebook from several years ago that has like jokes and journal entries and ideas and story ideas and shit in here and i have a whole drawer full of them yeah. And like I read through them and I get so fucking uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Where like half of the time I read through it and it just makes me spiral and just makes me depressed because I look at right. my like scribbly writing. I'm like, if I die in my apartment right now, they'll find this and they'll think that I was going to be like the Joker or something. Oh, I like, know. I just like, I think just, about- like this is deranged. This is fucked up. My even my handwriting <laughs> looks insane. Like this is not good. This is also rough. And I don't like I don't like the person who writes. Yeah. This, you know, I think like, about all, that one just, in yeah. particular all the time is when you when the first thing they mention when someone's like blown something up is that like he had a journal entry and I'm like, yeah. Oh, he keeps a journal. Huh? Yeah. And like, I guess maybe I should stop doing morning pages and, uh, you know, yeah. Just let, let it go a little bit instead of just constantly. It's hard. My yeah. Brain. There's, there's that step. And then there's the actual, uh, uh, not past the ideation point, just the putting the stuff out there, just editing this podcast too. every, like, I can't oh, tell yeah. you how fucking uncomfortable I was the first, uh, year or so listening to my own stupid fucking voice. Yes. And how I, many times I say like, and, and like, yeah, yeah it's like that thing of all, you know, all this fucking stammering. And, oh my God, fucking shoot myself. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, you know, the more you edit, the more you know, well, the good news is that you get better at it. Mm-hmm. And I just interrupted my own thought as I was saying it, which would annoy me when I was editing my podcast. Yep, I do that all the time. But I would get to a point where I was like, all right, I'm going to think as I'm speaking and know what I'm saying. And like, I'm talking to someone directly and I'll get it to a point that I want it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have to edit less. And then once I started doing that, I'd start like stumbling and stuttering and overthinking it and then it's, it just doesn't yeah. sound good and i'm like why don't yeah. i just fucking do it naturally and you know the real answer is you just get a producer and then yeah they're like hey take that again and then you don't think about it <laughs> they yeah had, they edit it. it it's yeah i mean I, <laughs> if you had all the money your in the own world producer is really fucking hard and just it like just makes you of times it makes because, you realize how much you suck <laughs> yeah it, well, because you're just there with yourself the whole time, yes. and you you record the same fucking intro yeah. sixteen different times, and you're like, what? Yeah, like just like you yeah, keep fucking more, it up, and like there's a more interesting Bo Burnham special, and it would be him just recording himself editing this special. Yeah, 
<laughs> and him I, just I, being I, like, God damn it. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, that's something that I th- might be therapeutic to people. Just show people the raw footage of, of all of that, of anything. Yeah. Of um, people doing... Uh, stand up or like anything to a to a mic or people doing um even like acting oh yeah because people people make it look so effortless and it's just like no you you don't understand that this is a person like on a usually very uncomfortable set with all these people milling around and like all of this stuff happening this camera right in their face and they they hit the point right but like you will see them if you're looking at the raw footage like before the cut after the cut that they're just like kind of like like you know right so. Yeah, there's there's a good um, you know it's ten seconds of of Robert De Niro's, uh, what was it? He he was doing a screen test for the first Godfather. They wanted to use him for something. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they were gonna cast him as Michael, and they're like, nah, it's he's not right for it. We'll get him later. And um, he's got these like hair ties, like clipped, like his hair is clipped back, and he's reading off the script, and he's like joking with people, and he's like he's got a ton of great energy, but it doesn't look like anything, right? And you have to remember that is that it's it's them finding out if they like how you look on camera, how you do, yeah. you know, can you act naturally? Can you be yourself? Can you be this person? Can you take direction? There's like a bunch of uh, uh, when you think about auditioning, that's that's a good thing to look at. It's like it's not it's never perfect. Yeah, I mean, you're only seeing the wheat, you know. You're not yeah. seeing the chaff. The chaff? Chaff? I think it's chaff. Culling the chaff from the wheat. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't All know. Right. We're corn farmers in Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't so fucking wheat. Yeah, I don't know. We, we, don't, we don't do much of that <laughs> stuff. Dan Wilbur, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great. Uh, if people want to find you and your work, how can they How can they find you? Uh, I'm at Dan Wilbur on Twitter, and then uh, my other handles are Dan Wilbur Comedy on Instagram and TikTok, and I have jokes up and uh, videos, and you can find me on the internet. Right on. Well, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thanks once again to Dan Wilbur for being on the show thank you for listening and uh appreciate you love you rate and review us on itunes uh you know folks i was looking and uh i didn't see any ratings for the last like year no new reviews so can you can you step it up please that would be great thanks that would be very cool of you Uh, i'll mention your name on the show I'm going to keep looking at the reviews and and seeing if more come in and I'll read your name on the show if it's a nice review. Even if it's mean. Even if it's like this guy doesn't know what he's doing, he prattles on too long, he thinks he's real funny, he's got a stupid voice, he says um and and too much, he sucks, I hate him, he's a little bitch, he's a fucking soy boy, I don't like him, we should kill him, he should kill himself, I'll read it. Follow me at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow this show at Selfworst on Instagram. Email the show, Selfworst at Instagram. Uh, no. Email the show, Selfworst. You, you can DM me on Instagram. That's for sure. I'll check my DMs. But you can also email me, which is a separate internet application. Selfworst at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash Selfworst. Help me out kick in a little bit of money get some bonus content that that'd be fun that'd be cool and uh music is by shea bartell thank you shea and that's it i'll see you next week 
Hopefully by then I'll be all settled in a new place. Uh, my fears will have dissipated. Things will be a little more normal. I'll be I'll feel a little more stable. Have some solid ground beneath my feet. <sighs> it's gonna be all right, folks. We're gonna get through it. Changes. Life is change. George Harrison. You know what? I'm gonna listen to that album today. I'm gonna listen to All Things Must Pass. I think that's gonna help me get through it. He was on to something, that guy. He knew. Wrong beetle died. All right, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. I love you. I die for you. I kiss you on the lips. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. <laughs>